Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. All right, this is the second (laughs) attempt at doing this. If you're joining us on the audio only on the podcast, we just recorded the first six minutes of the podcast with live Facebook, but we forgot to hit record on our audio. We were so excited for the Facebook. But, yeah. <laughs> so Facebook listeners, you guys know that we are posting some shout outs to you. You've already seen it. This will be in the video. I'm not going to repeat the shout out process. Let's just jump right into the audio of the meat of the podcast so that the people listening right now, if, yeah. you, if you are a podcast listener who was at the retreat and you know that we met with you, check it out on our Facebook page. You're going to see this video of the live podcast and you'll see that we gave you an awesome shout so out. For the audio group, would you say, hey, shout out for the awesome people we met at the retreat? Oh, yeah. Awesome. We loved you guys. So it's episode. Episode 24. All we are right. on episode 24 now. We're doing it live from a hotel right next to Zion National Park. Actually, it is Zion National we Park. We are in see Zion. it right there. Yeah. We can look right out, the, out window the window and see it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fantastic. So the audio is not sweetened. The audio is not amazing. And we have an echo. And we're doing it over an ironing board that's holding our microphones. So this is <laughs> blue quality today, which is why you started hearing the beginning of that next podcast, because I was just a little bit distracted. So let's go ahead and let's start out talking about the improved photography retreat that we went on. And we have stories from the trip. None of the stories from the actual photography moments. We'll do those photography moments separate. So it's just anything from the trip. Stuff like the lack of sleep and the never oh. getting happy to sleep. <laughs> the overwhelming lack of sleep is crazy. Very, uh, very. We tried to take naps anytime we could, and we just ended up waking up more groggy. It was worse. It was just, oh, it was crazy. So we and were doing night shoots and morning shoots and day shoots and staying up until midnight, yeah. helping up, others helping process their pictures for the trip. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea how much sleep we got for the week, but it couldn't have been more than uh, maybe an average of two to three hours per night, maybe. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is like, counting all of our naps. <laughs> yeah. Which is just, know. which will kill you. And don't get us Sorry. wrong, Jeanette and Andrew, who asked us for help, and we went into the midnight hour helping you. We loved that. That's probably the reason why we want to go to the retreat again is because that oh, was yeah. what I put down on my review was that the opportunity I had to teach others, that was what I took the most from the trip, and I loved that. Yeah, yeah and we weren't even instructors there, and we still had an opportunity to help and teach others. So that was really awesome that we could just do a whole separate, you know, first night side project and go out and help people. A lot of interest there. And then the, the top... I mean, three winners in our group from the Astro won stuff for their pictures and for participating. Yeah. So that was really awesome. That was awesome. pretty awesome. Yeah, even though there was not really a, a astrophotography wasn't on the itinerary for the retreat itself, but still. We made we, it happen. Yeah. We made, that, made it happen, and two of the images made at that outing won prizes, won awards yeah. for the retreat. That was pretty cool. Now, here's the, here's the negative of having an accidental non-record and starting over a second time is I didn't remember what I said the second time versus the first time. And I need to make sure I say that this is Rusty Parkhurst's voice that you're hearing. This is Rusty Parkhurst from RustyParkhurst.com, or you can read all his articles on ImprovedPhotography.com. Now, Rusty's joined us on this trip. He loaned us a second bed that was in this hotel room the whole trip. He's been our driver, our guide. He's been our best friend through this whole time. And so it's been really fun to go with him before he took up to Kent, took up back home to Missouri. 
we convinced him to drive a little bit of a detour. <laughs> How many extra hours and miles? Uh, we only added on a couple hours and maybe a couple hundred miles to my trip, but definitely worth it to come to Zion National Park. Right. Because <laughs> the last time he came, he got skunked. So Yeah, yeah. A couple, three years ago, we came out here to on a workshop, and all the national parks in Utah were closed. Well, all the national parks in the nation were closed because <sighs> of the government <sighs> shutdown. Yeah. So we were unable to go into any of them. And Man. so Rusty said in like five seconds in reply, do you want to go to Zion with us on the way? He goes, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And then within like five more seconds, he's like, I'm looking into it right now. And then by the 10th second, he said, okay, I'm distracted here at work. I can't think about anything else except going to Zion. Yeah. So he is excited to be here with us. And oh, I wish it was at the beginning of the trip we could have gone to Zion and uh, then gone to the retreat because we are, we're wasted. We are, we're toasted. We got a decent night of sleep last night, but man, it would have been nice to come into this part of the trip a little more rested yeah yeah and apologies go out to all of you and we were hoping to do nightly broadcasts of live po podcasts where we show hey this is what we learned today but when we got done with the first day put into perspective so exhausted. we were at rusty's <laughs> hotel room it was midnight okay set the alarm for 1 30 like seriously yeah 1 because <laughs> we're meeting everyone at 2 a.m 2 a.m we got up we were at picket post then the thing started by the time they let us free i mean we're talking all of the classes then we had a dinner that they provided. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we went from the dinner they provided to a contest that they required us to do with our group, a group competition. We went on that thing until 11 o'clock, 10, 30 at night. Yeah, walking around the streets of Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which was cool, but... Uh, Carrying all my camera I'm tired just thinking about it, man. Just thinking <laughs> how tired I was. I'm still tired. You're yawning like, right now. Yeah, and I was falling asleep in every class. And it was just like, yeah. oh... So serious yeah. apologies, because by the time we made it back after helping some modifying of a Milky Way picture and helping them do a panorama, after all of the competition, it was 1130 at night. Mm -hmm. I thought I could do it, but I couldn't begin to set everything up knowing it would take us at least a half an hour to set everything up and then force poor Brendan and Rusty to be enthused about talking. And so it, <laughs> we were all miserably tired, and we went to bed just until what? Six? Uh, what Six a.m.? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, it never happened. That was our first night of sleep. In Grand Canyon, we didn't sleep. You didn't get much sleep when you went to Monument Rocks, right? I slept in the car for maybe a couple of hours, but I was sleeping in the backseat of a car. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah, exactly a restful car. night. <laughs> yeah. So apologies all around. We wanted to deliver more content during the time, and we couldn't even begin to deliver any content. We're yeah. late on our Friday video. Our Monday podcast is at least going out on time just because we're taking time right now to do this. And Nathan St. Andre, sorry, man, we wanted to hang out with you here in Zion, but we are leaving here in a couple hours, so that's just not going to work out. So apologies. Given stories or sharing anything else from the retreat that you wanted to talk about before we go our pictures well the one of the biggest reasons i wanted to come to this retreat is to meet new people and that that was just the op most awesome part of the trip i think um and i've talked about this and i've even written a little bit about it in an article that i did for improved photography about how great it is to go on workshops photo meets uh anything related to just meeting up with other people to go shooting just getting out there and meeting other people you just it's just so great to go out and just share this passion that we have for photography with people who think the same way that we do and who understand uh, why we are taking pictures of things that most other people wouldn't even consider. <laughs> That's yeah. just, just such a fun thing and just neat to meet, meet, neat to meet new people. Uh, and those are th people that we'll stay in contact with for weeks, years, months, you know, who knows, but yeah, I still have people that I met 
several years ago on photography workshops that I stay in uh, contact with and do things with. And that's just the biggest and most important part of doing things like this, I think. Yeah. Lifelong friends. Yeah. Yeah, And you all have the same like interest. And so there's something you can share and then you get to know them. And you can, we made like five or six new friends this week. This week. It was awesome. Five or six. Well, you know, I just did a <laughs> shout out list that was probably yeah, the, in the shout 20s. out list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, as far as like close, like closer, you know, we like we met a big group of awesome people, and we got really close with a few of them, and so that was pretty awesome to do, to do that. So. I can't wait to go out to Sweden to see the Northern Lights. Oh, can't wait yeah. to go to Yosemite with Scott. I mean, Andrew, yeah. everyone was so cool to hang out with. I yeah. hope we get to see them again and soon. Yep. So before we go into what we learned from the retreat, I want to share a quote. And while I share this quote, Brendan, why don't you go ahead and check your phone to see how the battery's doing? We might need to plug that guy in. It was not 100% this morning. Awesome. It's fully charged, so hopefully it goes for a while. Okay, so then Ansel Adams has a quote. You know Ansel, the guy that we can't pronounce his name? We have a quote from him that will begin all of our what we learned from the retreat. And this is a cool quote that I heard on the retreat. There is nothing worse than a sharp image of a fuzzy concept. Mm. Don't just That's say really you got to tell us what you think that means in your own words. In my own words, I think that uh, I'm still tired. Um, I feel I feel kind of fuzzy right now. Yeah. <laughs> my concept oh. is fuzzy. There Let's is see. nothing worse than fuzzy. I think what I think what he's trying to for me he's trying to communicate that you know you're not just we don't want to go out and just take pictures of pretty things you know pretty pictures are great but are we trying to is there a message behind this image you know is there is there a reason we're going to this place. Because for him, it was like a journey into the unknown. For him, he was discovering almost like a new world. You know, with his pictures, he would send them back to the East Coast. And these people were literally dumbfounded. They could not believe what they were seeing. And so it forced them to go and explore themselves, to, to imagine bigger things and to, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. And is, if that's our goal as photographers, then that's awesome, mm-hmm. you know, because... That's kind of what I think I'm doing. I'm going to places that I've never explored before. I'm in awe and wonder of the things that I see when I go out. And uh, especially here in Utah and in, and in California and some of the national parks, it's amazing. They're national parks for a reason. And so, and he helped create those national parks and, and preserve those lands because of their incredible beauty and uh, He really and the told the story of their worth. And so they thought, right. we can't lose this. Right. And what it means to me is you don't go out to a shot that's like, okay, this looks great. I'm going to make sure that I have a really sharp picture, really sharp and focused, really great covering of the exposure, the dynamic range of light, and then just walk away. You need to make sure you tell a story with your picture. Have some heart. Don't lose the heart of your image trying to make sure that it's exposed perfectly, focused brilliantly, and as sharp and clear as ever. Keep the heart in your image. Keep the heart in your photography. Yeah. So in that vein, mm-hmm. what did you learn that helped you in your photography? We're already photographers, but what did you learn from the improve, the improve photography retreat that you guys really liked? Uh, and one of the things that they challenged us with uh, the first day, the first time we sat down together, is to to do something at this retreat or go to some classes that are kind of outside of our wheelhouse. Uh, for me personally, I primarily shoot landscape and nature photography. That's what I like. I like to get out in nature right. and uh, do those things. But it's good to challenge yourself with things that are kind of out of your out of your comfort zone every once in a while. So I did try to to do some things like that. I went to a real estate course. I went to a class on uh, uh, specifically talking about luminosity masking, which is something I really haven't done much of, mm-hmm. if at all. So I was just trying to trying to expand my horizons a little bit. I don't know if I'll ever do any real estate photography, but 
but who knows? Uh, it's always good to expand your boundaries a little bit and see what new things you can learn. Yeah, of all the income gaining photography out there, real estate photography feels more comfortable for me. As a landscape photographer, I like dealing with an environment and not dealing with the person. I'm not sure if I'm really comfortable being a portrait photographer. I'm definitely not stoked about the idea of 25 cents. Stoked about being the, oh, 50 cents. <laughs> I'm not excited about the idea. For those of you who haven't listened to that before, I have a 25 cent jar every time I say stoked. And so I just added 50 cents to the jar. I need to not waste it on that kind of stuff. I'm excited that I can get out there. Oh, I'm definitely not excited about being a wedding photographer. That sounds like a nightmare no, to me. No, you're not stoked about that. <laughs> 75 cents. <laughs> you know, I'm some totally people that are not. really good at doing weddings and they really want to do it and, and they have a great business doing it. And, and don't let us discourage you by any means. Because no, those are awesome. They're, just they're very mine. necessary and you can make a, you know, a good living off of it. But for us personally, it just doesn't. Mm-mm. There's a lot of awesome things well. in this world that people do that just scare me. It's not because they're not awesome. It's just that it scares me. And wedding yeah, photography like, scares me. Yeah, I'm like skyscraper window cleaners. Yeah. Know, some guys are awesome. <laughs> they love it. But I don't. That yeah. might be less scary than shooting a wedding. I don't know. Right. Sure. Actually, yeah, I think so. if I had to choose, what would I choose? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then the thing I learned, I mean, if I could pick only one thing, I'm going to pick a technique that I've been doing using Lightroom, dodging and burning, making a part of my picture brighter and a part of my picture darker to try and draw the eye to the area that I thought is awesome. Just recently, the podcast for Yosemite, if you see that picture that I used for the cover art, if you go to photogadventures.com, you can see the cover art for it or soundcloud.com and look at us look us up you'll see all of our pictures that we put in there the fo- the picture of yosemite had a very boring cloud a boring cloud was wrapped around el capitan and a little dodging and burning i gave myself some definition in that cloud and it gave it this impression that light was coming through and hitting the tops of the clouds and allowed me to then paint some do- some dodging on the fronts of el capitan to bring the eye to el capitan's face and not the entire spread out view of bridalville distant half dome and El Capitan and dodging and burning is something I've enjoyed doing but I have really strictly done it in Lightroom using the adjustment brush and what I'm learning from uh, from uh, from Nick is that he goes into Photoshop and he takes the he looks at the area that he wants to dodge he grabs a pixel that's a little bit brighter in there and then he sets it up with that pixel I want this color that I'm gonna dodge with he's gonna dodge with that color then he uses and he instead of using just a brush he uses an overlay setting on his brush or a soft um, a soft overlay that was a great technique and so Mm -hmm. we'll go into more detail in an article about that about which brush to specifically use but instead of just a hundred percent brush that's painting that color it's basically a brush that's telling hey if this pixel is 50% to zero you know zero percent of black to 50% of this color then we will not paint on it but anything that's 50% or above it will paint on it and so you can just kind of haphazardly go around this area and paint the lighter pixels up it brings them up to this color and you're painting all the brighter pixels into this color that you want to use for dodging and burning and then you can really controlled put some dodging on your scene and also bring in the color of the scene and not from something of just an exposure up I mean while I was doing in the Lightroom I was just had an adjustment brush had the exposure that I put a little positive 50 30 maybe 80 right up from almost a full stop and I would just bring it up with that and that's a cool way of doing it, but I'm looking forward to trying out Nick's technique. It's a more advanced technique. Yeah, and absolutely. It's a little more specific, and it gives you, a, I guess, a better, cleaner result versus just, you know, brightening everything in that area or darkening everything in that area. Yeah, it's a big difference. And I'm looking forward to seeing and practice how hard it is to focus on your areas and which what ends up 
blurring in too much, what ends up being hard to do, what's easy to do, and I can report on that later. Yeah. So, Rusty, you awesome. have actually the Facebook listener group up and listening to the podcast. Has anyone said anything? Before yeah, it looks like, looks like Greg Clancy said, ironing board for the win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was the only it's the thing. only option we had. That's <laughs> all we have. There's a desk over there that would be really pretty, but unfortunately it has one of those side faces. And we are clamps. A little tiny lip that we can't clamp on. Our onto. clamps can't go that wide. <laughs> yeah. So, ironing board it is, <laughs> Greg Clancy. We're probably awesome. ruining this ironing board as we're doing <laughs> Yeah, they it's not real know. sturdy. <laughs> no, no, don't touch the ironing board. So did you have anything you learned from the retreat you wanted to mention? Um, like, like with Rusty, um, I also went to the real estate photography class, and they focused a lot on light. When you're in real estate photography, you're looking at this room. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the room we're in now, and it's filled with shadows. Oh, yeah. And these shadows are yeah. not attractive in a photograph. They might look fine in person because this is real life and we accept it but in a photograph everything has to be prettier and nice and appealing and so uh you just can't achieve that with your natural lighting it's almost impossible unless you have like an amazing architect and your house costs like over a million dollars or five million dollars you're not going to get that light right? right so um bouncing flashes on the ceiling getting rid of shadows where you don't want them is, is just some really cool simple techniques that we that we know kind of in the back of our mind as photographers but just it was a good refresher just to be like oh yeah because you know you see nasty pictures of photos of houses and you're just like why would anybody want to look you know buy that house and and you know so <laughs> real estate agents are cheap they want it. They and this, so they, you know, they want to take pictures with just their phone and post it. And they wonder why they're having a hard time listing, you know, showing their homes and stuff like that. So, uh, just really interesting the whole business of it. You know, he went through the whole business of it and and how it can be a, a good business and how to like fire clients that are cheap because you, you you should value yourself higher. So all these really good reminders of photographers, like, hey, we have value as photographers. We're not just here to just you know go for the lowest bid and and completely degrade ourselves and stuff. So. Um, and that, that's good for any, whether you're going to do portraits, whether you're going to do real estate or whether you're going to do even landscapes, you know, it all depends on what you price your stuff at. Like if you, you know, print some amazing landscape in a really big format on a canvas or whatever, you know, don't charge 50 bucks for it, you know, charge like 250 or 500 or what, you know, just put or some 2, value. 780 like David J. West. Yeah. Or if you're going to print on, <laughs> you know, if you're going to print on acrylic, you know, have, you know, sell it for a couple grand. If it's really beautiful, put some worth into it and oh, people will value it level. yeah and people will value the worth of that picture if it's valued high it's just one of those things so and yeah. i'm not teasing david because david's awesome what i'm saying is that i want to be at his level where i can actually ask that price for my right. image yeah. oh. right because one day he had to take that leap and be like i have to sell these for what they're actually worth you yeah. know what i mean so and he's kind of scary i bet the first time you try because you figure oh, yeah. that's, that's like hard. putting a dead end on your road it's hard it's hard to some, it's hard for me personally, and I'm sure for a lot of people to really put a value on what we do because we're doing, going out there doing this for fun. It's like, <laughs> right. wow, am I really going to make any money off of this or does that really matter? Right. But it's kind of hard to decide, you know, what am I going to charge for what I'm doing that I'm just doing for fun? <laughs> right. And we've had people ask us on Facebook too, like, hey, I love that Milky Way picture. What are you, do you guys print? And we're just like, yeah, we're working out. We're trying to figure out what the best medium is. And, how much to charge and stuff. And it's just, it's really tough Yeah, to know. I don't want to be like, I don't want to seem like a snooty guy be like, oh, that's a $2,000 picture. You know, like, you know, that's, it's because I wouldn't buy a $2,000 picture, <laughs> but there's people out there that would. And so do they value our picture as that much? We, I have to feel like, I feel like my skill level would be a certain level. I can be really confident with the landscape, 
with the post processing, with the quality of the print, everything has to be like immaculate for me to consider selling something for more than a thousand dollars. Absolutely. You know. So before yeah. we go into the photography element of this, did you guys have any other learn from retreat moments that came up while we were talking? Uh, be careful whenever you go into a Pizza Hut bathroom. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the last night. We decided to stop and grab a pizza real quick on the way back from one of our shoots. And boy, that bathroom was flooding by the time I got out of there. Oh, it wasn't gosh. anything that I did. <laughs> <laughs> At no fault of your own. Not, yeah. No, no fault of my Just own. Just a bit. pipe on the back burst because he <laughs> tried to flush it. My gosh. And the whole thing was like that with food. I mean, we had $17, $18 plates everywhere we went, and it was just stuff that you would have maybe spent $7 for. Yeah. Maybe yeah. 6 Yeah. So disappointing. So there's yeah. a lot more stories out there. So when we talk about all these locations that we're going through, talking about our photography and what went well and what didn't go well, if you think of a story you want to share it, go for it. Just drop right in. So let's go ahead and start. All these locations <laughs> that we went to, we want to talk about Monument Rocks, Grand Canyon, Picket Post Mountain, Lost Dutchman, South Mountain Sunrise, Kolop Canyon, and the Overlook in Zion National Park. All these locations we went through and specifically did photography there at these locations. So there's things that we did well, things that we sucked at, things that we wish we did better on, and any, any stories we want to share, we'll go through that. So let's go ahead and get started with Monument Rocks. You say that's in Kansas? Monument Rocks is in Kansas. It's kind of in the western portion of Kansas, just south of Oakley, which coincidentally also has... The largest prairie dog in the world. The, the largest, largest prairie dog. The largest prairie dog. A single so prairie dog or his race? It, the largest prairie dog. I'll <laughs> leave it at that. If you're, ever, if you're ever curious and happen to be driving across Kansas on I-70, take a look at that. The largest prairie dog in the world. But don't pay to get in because it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a so, sad. They love to hear that. <laughs> so... Uh, they have lawyers, you know. They'll we are honestly you. not sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> so Monument Rocks is about uh, 30 miles south of Oakley, Kansas. And you go south on this uh, county road, and then you have to actually get off the pavement for about seven miles to get back to Monument Rocks. Mm. Um, this is an area that's – think of Kansas just being you, – you, you've heard the stories about it just being flat. In western Kansas, that is true. It is just a flat, flat ground. Except for this very area of Monument Rocks, there's these, these large 70-foot-tall rock formations out in the middle of uh, rangeland. And it is open range, so you're driving out there, and there may be cows in the road. There's cows just roaming around randomly. <laughs> so my goal, uh, it was on my itinerary all along, was to stop at this place. And I've been there a couple of times before, but never to uh, try any astrophotography. Oh, awesome. So um, I wanted to do that on my way. It's about a six-hour drive from my house. So I thought that would be a good stopping point along the way to coming to, coming to Phoenix. So I got there uh, roughly 12, 30-ish, uh, mid, just after midnight, and uh, scouted it out, um, looking to see where things were going to line up. And uh, I knew I had a little while before the Milky Way would be shootable because of the moon. Yeah. So that's whenever I decided to try to get a couple of hours of sleep in the car, and then I got up again at four-ish as the moon was starting to set on the horizon. Uh, unfortunately, I noticed at that time that some clouds had moved in on the on the uh, mm. eastern and southern horizon, right where the, I was going to be shooting. So um, didn't get the greatest opportunity to shoot the Milky Way, but it was still just awesome just being out there. It was just dead quiet. Uh, just an awesome place to go shoot. If you ever happen to be 
driving across Kansas, I'd say it would definitely be worth a uh, little detour to go down and check it out. With getting skunked like that by the clouds, was there something that you at least can say you were proud of and what you did photographically, you did this and you liked it and you would be proud to do that again? Or do you think you'd change anything next time you go? Well, one of the biggest things, and this is with all types of photography, is to, uh, and you can't really predict, well, you can kind of predict the weather by watching the forecast, but, but one important thing is to try to, to scout out a location uh, in the daylight, oh, if right. you can. Mm-hmm. For me, it wasn't really possible. I was going to get there at night no matter what I did. Right. Yeah. But if you have the opportunity, try to go and scout out a location when, the day, when it's light out so that you can see what you're doing and see where you're going. Uh, as I was walking around these rock formations, I mean, there was nobody else around, probably not another human for um, at least a mile or maybe two miles. But I kept seeing these black shapes all around me out in the pasture, out in the range. I wasn't sure if those were cows, if those were clumps of grass. I don't know what they were, and I was hearing coyotes off in the distance. <laughs> Just, it was really cool, but a um, little creepy at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, alone, absolutely. Yeah, but it's important to go and try to scout out a location when it's daytime so that you'll, you can see where things are going to, you know, where you're going to where you're going to park, where you're going to set up. Uh, if there's any pitfalls that you might encounter that you don't want to step into or get into in the dark. But like I said, for me, it wasn't really possible to do that. I'd been here before, uh, kind of remembered some of the things I, that from those trips. So I had an, some idea, but I did still do a lot of walking around in the pitch black. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. I mean, that's pretty much what we could have done better in almost all of our astrophotography trips is just get there, scout out your location in the daylight find your composition in daylight and it's hard sometimes because mm-hmm. it's a remote location and you're going out you know daylight's going to be at four or five in the afternoon but your astro is not going to start until two or three that's <laughs> right. a lot of hours in between it's a commitment if you really yeah. want to get that great shot it's yeah. a commitment. so if yeah. you're so if you're out there especially if you're out there alone what are you going to do for those next like five or six hours are you, you write know? your memoirs yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe try to get some sleep. Maybe you know we could watch. You could probably watch like three movies. You know, by the time you sounds like a good day. I don't know what's wrong with this. <laughs> so, you got a nice big trailer. Bring your couch with you. you know? <laughs> so that exact same night when Rusty was out at the Monument Rocks, we were in the Grand Canyon after driving all night long. Brendan was a stud for staying up all night driving so that we can make it here in time for that 4 a.m. when the moon was starting to set. Yeah. I'm getting tired just thinking about that too. <laughs> but it was awesome. The Grand Canyon was amazing, um, even at night. So you know? what, what went well and what didn't go well? I'm going to start with what didn't go well. Okay. Being 4 a.m., we had just missed the, ta- the higher part of the moon in the sky moments where that could have lit up our terrain. I mean, the Grand Canyon was going to be an awesome thing to have a Milky Way over. In the end, the Grand Abyss of Black was not that cool to have a Milky Way over. I mean, who knows? We could have been in the middle of any open area and taken a picture of the Milky Way. No one cares about that Milky Way being on that dark, 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 possibly potentially Grand Canyon. Yeah, so, it was just like goosenecks. It reminded me of goosenecks. So we would <sighs> wait until the next day to get a, a decent shot of the foreground because it was just so dark. And so if the only if you can't beat the moon or if you can't light your scenery, the only way you 
can see your deep trenches like that and have the Milky Way be visible is to combine your shot with a different hour and you have to keep your tripod in location until it's good light for you to take that shot and then right. composite the two together. And we weren't able to do that. We had no time to do both of those. And it just was disappointing to not have the Milky Way be, or the Grand Canyon in view because it was supposed to be a Grand Canyon moment. And our, and our ideal location was compromised, too, from the winter. They closed the north rim roads. Yeah. And so that would have been the best location to get the north side facing that southeast and having the whole canyon in between. And if we had the moon lighting it, we could get some great exposures. But, you know, we were too late. The north was closed. We had to figure out, like, the next best option from the south rim, which was really challenging. So. It was because when we get there, and all the best – practice i have on photo pills and using other apps and finding out where the milky way is going to be sometimes you just don't see the reality of i'm standing here and the milky way bulge is here when i get in location it ends up being something that's far more extreme than you realized mm. you, with, you were thinking you had this kind of edge of the of the grand canyon and i can see the milky way over there it ended up being almost behind us and so we had to find right. a location in the dark where we kind of curved a little bit out into the grand canyon and could look back at at least one of the walls without getting kicked out (laughs) we did happen to drive down and do not enter street because it was meant for trams we're like well trams are not going to come until the morning so maybe we can get away with it for an hour no we were 12 minutes in and the guy pulled up shined his lights ruined our picture and then drove up to our car with his big tram and (laughs) stepped out of it to kind of look at whose car is this what's going on yeah so they run they run things really early at the grand canyon 4 no a.m. 4 a.m. And they it's start. Like every 10 or 15 minutes, they're 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 man, they were good. The shuttle's great though, so yeah. you just park in the regular spot and then just use their shuttles to get around. That's not bad yeah, at all. Not bad. So what mm-hmm. we did find was a parking lot at the. Um, it was one of like the a history ge- ge- lot. Uh, it was a historical group that had this building where it had some history of the Grand Canyon and a library there. Yeah, and it was kind of like a library slash gift shop kind of area where yeah. we could park park and then go on this little trail and what was cool is it curved around so we could actually face on this little out you know little outcropping of the rocks that we could actually face kind of that southeast direction yeah which they awesome. stair-stepped it down and then went to this overlook that just yeah. was completely free of all the trees so that was nice so we did get some really great shots there um not so much the foreground i tried as much as i could we'll see if i can pull some of those Highlights out yep, of the another shadows. casualty we'll of the retreat is we couldn't yeah. look at our pictures. We couldn't load them to our laptops and work on them because it was constant go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go. I talked to my wife twice the entire time because it was go, 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 go. Yeah. So cool note about that is that was March 8th. That was the morning of March 8th. We were out of the Milky Way seeing it in the early morning, and that's precisely one year to the day that Brendan and I first went out to a Milky Way. And on our drive back from that, we said, hey, you know what? Let's do this more. I need someone to come with me to go out and do these things. Brendan was loving it. And I said, let's try and do a YouTube channel or a podcast. And let's have some fun doing this. And that was really the birth yeah. of Photog Adventures right there. Yeah, so we've had one night, yeah. year since the concept and friendship that made Photog Adventures. That's cool to hear. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But on the date, we can go out and shoot the Milky Way again. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, especially to get to do it at the Grand Canyon. I know. <laughs> it was a great, it was a good first if anniversary. Only it was a portfolio shot. I, I mean, I'm such a, I don't know, a, a greedy person because I can't just celebrate that moment. I'm like, ah, dumb, I didn't get a foreground. <laughs> but guess what? Our first, the first time a year ago exactly was also not a portfolio shot, but it was just fun. So we to haven't be gotten any there. better. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we have. It's just, it just happens to be, yeah. Well, wasn't it Ansel Adams that said something like, if you get 12 
good images in a year, you're doing good. Yeah. It's I mean, a good thing. I like that quote. Something like that. Yeah, because that's how I feel. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we get more than that, but, uh, you know, sometimes, a, sometimes I think we're a little bit too hard on ourselves. That's a smart yeah. goal to have because it keeps it in perspective. You had a great time. Like one great photo right a month. Pace. Yeah. If you're mm-hmm. out there every every week and you're getting one great photo a month, that's pretty, you should be happy, proud of that, I guess. Well, I know that Andrew, Jeanette, and Dale, and Larry, I know their oh, shots yeah. turned out awesome from yeah. this next place that we went. Oh, yeah. The crack of the morning, early morning <laughs> drive out to Picket Post Mountain. If you know Phoenix, Arizona area at all, then you know that you just go out towards, is it Gilbert over Mesa. there? Mesa. It's between Mesa and Globe. What? I didn't even hear about Globe. Globe's yeah. a city? No. Well, no. It's a, it's a town. It's an old mining town. So it's a small town okay. still, but uh, it's out there past Mesa on the 60s. So if you're out going, it's like almost the halfway point. So people in the area will know what I'm talking about. So Picket Post Mountain is a little bit of a structure of kind of sheer walls on both sides, but has some shape that goes up. These, it's not very huge. Mm-hmm. So it was an opportunity to put the entire Milky Way arch up and over it. But yeah. the moon was setting at such a time that it would still be a little light in the sky after the moon set and give us the maybe 30 minutes of opportunity where it was still true darkness. The moon was out of the way now. It had become astronomical dawn. And we had 30 minutes to get everyone ready to go and to fire the shot. I mean, it was an interesting, it felt like military training where everyone had their guns out and they were about to fire. And I was walking back and forth. Okay, keep make sure you do this and do that. We were helping people with focus, helping people with panorama angles, checking their exposure, teaching about how to make sure that your exposure of your Milky Way has a separation from the black. Because it's too easy to have your histogram mm-hmm. be this hill that just rises up on the left side all in a clump you should actually have a nice spike of a clipped black because mm-hmm. the black is everywhere then you should have a little space where it goes down and then it starts rising in and humps up and humps down right at the midtone right. and so if you can't separate that out to the midtones you've got to go higher iso so that you can get that exposure where you want it because then you have signal and data that you can work with right. and post process mm-hmm. and bring it out absolutely and definitely the histogram is a very important a very important tool to use when you're out shooting the Milky Way or astrophotography in general, you just can't trust that LCD. Oh, right. It looks so bright mm-hmm. and good on there, but it's because our eyes are, it's dark out. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. going to look bright. Good point. So it may look great on the LCD, but you get it back into the computer and it's totally underexposed or you're, you're not getting the, the detail or the separation between the, the lights and the darks the way you thought. Yeah. So definitely use that histogram. It can be so disappointing when you go home and put it up on your screen and go, oh, really? And, oh, and a lot of the photographers that came back to their laptops that night were looking at these flat images, you know, because we're just like shooting raw, you know, high ISO. And <laughs> we were yelling and they had at these really flat, And then these really flat <laughs> like images. And they're like, oh, this looks so much better <laughs> when I was there. Like even in real life, it looked amazing. And you're just like, how come it looks so flat? Yeah. We're like, well, let's help you figure that. We sat down, processed <laughs> some of them. And all of a sudden, I mean, after before and after, they're just like, whoa. We're like, yeah, this is a, you know, processing is very important when it comes to. You know, night, night photography. And don't forget that the raw file is supposed to be flat. It's it's really just everything mm-hmm. is there. All this data is there. Nothing's been done to it. But the LCD screen is popping up a JPEG preview right. of it. That it's not popping up yeah. your raw file preview. And so it's going to look different than what you saw on the back of the screen just by that alone. And it was awesome that everybody that was excited to be there <clears throat> were there. You know, we got there on like an hour before the moon set. We had plenty of time to get everything set up and everybody was excited and it was just a great group of 20 more 20 or more people 
Right. It was really great. So before we go into that, I want to clarify real quick. This your camera is showing an image there. It's probably a proprietary version of the file. It's probably not JPEG format. It's probably like DNG or CR2. Yeah, some, or some kind of some thumbnail. Sort of that's thumbnail yeah, that's proprietary to that camera make and model. Yeah. But, yeah. but most likely it is JPEG. It has some processing yeah. done to it. And so yeah. that's why it stands out. Yeah, it's going to look a little different than the raw file that you get on your computer when you get back. But that little... that preview that you get on your LCD gives you some kind of an idea of what it could look like or what you have to work with whenever right. you do get back but just don't trust it too much yeah don't, just make sure that you're using the histogram and keeping in mind that you need to find that separation yeah this trip was fun one where we had all these people there so we have let's do a little round robin of tips and trips that came from it because I know that Brendan and I didn't even capture any photos really from this trip we just kind of put our camera up and tried some things so real quick what I'll say first is Sometimes you will focus and you're trying to get your focus and you can't see the Jupiter or the Venus or whatever you're using as your focus point to find that infinity marker to focus on. And I had this problem with Monica. We were, you know, I don't think Monica was on the list. No, she was. She was on the list. I hope you were, Monica. If you're not, here's a shout out for you now. Um, Monica's camera was so out of focus that we didn't realize that and we've spent all this time trying to change her ISO setting, her exposure setting, oh. something just to get us some visibility on Jupiter, but we'd go up there and it'd be black. We had the camera lens turned off. Like, is your lens cap on? And okay, no, it's not your lens cap. We couldn't see Jupiter. It was so hmm. out of focus that your blurry, your circle becomes this long. blurry, long gray oh. line. And so then you can't see any definition. And you're, you can't zoom in all that much on the LCD screen. So that blurry definition is really blended in. You can't find it. So if you're having that problem focusing, trying to find that bright object, check your focus. Swing your focus ring around back and forth and see if some of those blurry images become fine points. And then now you found a point get on it use the lcd screen to magnify onto it and then just really fine tune it and one thing that i like to do because i don't have perfect eagle eye vision on a tiny lcd screen i bring a 10 times magnifier loop a jeweler's loop mm -hmm. and i hold that thing right up there where i could see the pixels of the lcd screen making that circle and i can tell when that's stretched outside those pixels and it's inside those pixels and i have that nice as tight as possible focus mm -hmm. all my stars I tape it off with gaffer's tape, and I don't have to touch it the rest of the night. As long as my foreground subject isn't something that's within seven yards of me or something crazy like that, you're going to have everything in focus. So just keep your foreground element at infinity from you so that you can keep that focus you just set up for everything, stars, foreground, and all that, and then keep that focus point so that you don't have any issues with focus breathing when you compile them together. Yeah, and one, mm -hmm. of the, one of the issues that I think another um, photographer was having out there is that this similar issue. We had a really hard time focusing. So, and, and for me, I turned my camera around, the moon wasn't quite set yet, and I turned my, you know, my, cranked up my f-stop, turned my ISO down pretty low, so I could actually get the actual definition of the moon, which is not just this bright orb in the sky, but the actual, like, you know, character of the moon. And then I was able to focus it just ever so slightly, just to, you know, just to get it perfect. And I was like, okay, I'll leave it at that, set it in manual. And then, uh, then I did that, and I tried to tried the same thing with another photographer to help them to get in focus too. And uh, the moon's a good subject to focus on because it will be at infinity. Just know that it's so bright, so crazy stinking bright. You've got to underexpose and bring everything down. Like right. your, f, your f stop can't be at two point eight. No, I put it up like I put it like f eleven or f thirteen. And so and I my ISO down like one hundred. So then I could really, and then, and then you go back to your old settings, you know, you turn your yeah. ISO back up and crank your F-stop back down. And then, yeah. And so. I know it shouldn't change too much, and I don't think it does at all, but my personal preference is to focus everything at the settings I'm going to be filming at mm. or recording at. So it's easier. So that I know that at this setting, everything is in focus. Boom. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Anything for you, Rusty? Uh, focus, piggybacking on what you've already said, focus seems to be one of the biggest challenges, I think. That's right. Especially in astrophotography, well, particularly in astrophotography. And if you don't have good focus, then the rest is really not going to, it's kind of a moot point. You right. could have a great I mean, foreground. How many, how many times have you taken a shot thinking that you've got it, and then you get back into the computer and you find, oh, just slightly out of focus, and it just it ruins the <laughs> shot. I mean, you just mm. basically throw mm. that out. Yeah. A lot of times what I'll do is, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, is I'll find a, uh, a bright light on the horizon. Maybe it's a, a house off in the distance somewhere. Mm, yeah. And use, actually use autofocus and try to lock onto that and then fine-tune it from there, uh, at least autofocusing on that light if, if it works, and sometimes it doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, will get you into the ballpark where you need to be really close, and then you can fine-tune it using the manual focus ring, right. assuming you're using a lens that autofocuses. Right. If you don't, then you know we know there's a great tool out there from Lonely Spec, and the sharp star, the sharp too. star too, and we can go into that more on show notes or whatever. But um, that's a great tool that we are looking forward to using ourselves. It should save mm-hmm. us a lot of time, and uh, I'm excited to to try that out. And maybe we, if we next do another meetup or workshop, we can maybe have that to pass around and get people just the excellent best sharpness. It. You know, absolutely. So let's move ahead. I think Arizona nights. We were going to talk about that shoot a little bit, but let's just do like one liners for that because it was a challenging night starting with Rusty. Arizona Knights was a very challenging competition. It was kind of a competition for our group at the retreat, but where we were staying was very difficult because there just wasn't a lot of activity. Downtown, apparently we're calling room service. Yeah. Can we please have some pancakes? <laughs> Oops. Is there like a, any more? Oh, they're calling us back now. Sorry, that was a, I messed up and hit that red button. It's a live podcast. <laughs> I think she heard you say that. <laughs> Don't bump the phone in this hotel room. We're not supposed to be podcasting in a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So don't touch that. As you were saying. Yeah. It's just just challenging to find subject to shoot. We were looking mainly for human activity, and there just wasn't much of it where we were staying. Downtown Phoenix, (laughs) it becomes – Phoenix is a weird place because when – it's so hot in the day. There's lots of uh, buildings and stuff and offices, and everybody goes there to work. And when the day's over, they all leave. You know, it's like cockroaches in the daylight. It's, you know, at nighttime, they just leave and the streets are just vacant. It's like a goat. It's really weird. It's eerie. And that's the way, just the way it is. It's always been that way. We're trying to capture nightlife and there's just not any yeah, nightlife. Yeah. So one of the girls in our group finally came back and said, the basketball game. We're like, oh, there's like thousands of people at the basketball game. So we finally ended up going there. Got an awesome shot there. She, Jeanette captured an awesome shot of a guy who was a scalper. He had a Phoenix jersey on. He was hooking a cigar, and he had a lot of character. And so we were uh, just getting some cool portrait shots of him with a little bit of the stadium marina front door in the background lit up and lights and just a little bit blurry bokeh. And it was looking cool. Love that shot. He was actually yeah. posing for us. I mean, he was really getting into it, which was really awesome. He had a great personality. So <laughs> That was an excellent shot. I liked the, the, the swirls of smoke coming up right in front of his face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't condone cigar smoking, but they sure looks cool on a picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's yeah. move right into the next like retreat activity that was brought on. It was a sunset out at the Lost Dutchman State Park. Lost Dutchman State Park is an area where it has tons of saguaros. Saguaros. <laughs> He's been a hard time with it all week. It's spelled with a G, and yet yeah. you say saguaros. Saguaro. Saguaro. <laughs> I hate G-U-A-R-O. that word. G-U-A-R-O. So Zorro and cacti <laughs> called Choya. I can say that. Yeah, Chola, Choya. 
Is it Chola? It's, it's Choya. It's, per, it's, it's, yeah, it's pronounced <laughs> Choya, but it's a double L. Okay, so it's Spanish. Yeah. Awesome. So these cacti. Like a lot of things in Arizona. The Choya <laughs> are everywhere, and they're as tall as us or as small as our feet. Or and then bigger. the Sororos yeah. are huge. huge. Yeah. The, uh, the iconic Arizona cacti, you know, the one that you see, that cactus that has an arm up, another arm up, and it's as tall as 30 meters. I mean, they're, they're huge. Mm-hmm. Is 30 meters too tall? No, somewhere probably around 15 some are bigger. Meters, some are huh? really big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These things were huge. And so we're out there in this full area of these cacti and a really nice rock face. Yeah. So we're at the Superstition Mountains. The yeah. So we're at the Superstition Mountains. And I, I, I think I could see the cave of what might be, you know, one of the spots that people say <laughs> is a lost Dutch, Dutchman gold mine. So, um, and they call it a gold. I don't know why they call it a gold mine. It's one They're of those things. It's, just, it's an gold. urban legend that the, they had the <laughs> Dutch miner. I uh, went out and got a bunch of loot, or maybe it was a robbery gang or something. And there's all kinds of theories going out, but what, but there's a stash of gold up there, apparently somewhere. So, so did anything go poorly that you wish you could have done better from that? Because we actually took the pictures there. So let's talk about what we wish we could have done better. Again, a, a lot of things with landscape photography boil down to weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would it would have been nice, and there's really not much we can do about it. But it's always nice to have some drama in the sky. You know, if we could have some clouds or maybe a nice little storm move through, maybe even get some lightning. But, you know, you work you work with what you have. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to do is try to shoot uh, before the moon set was try to get that moon. Um, I guess we weren't out there until it set, but I wanted to try to get the moon uh, kind of lining up with a saguaro cactus <laughs> uh, right at the tip right. of that. Um, and it was still a little bit too high in the sky, and I, I just didn't look right if I got – down low enough to shoot up at this the cactus and get that moon up there but you know maybe if i would have stayed a little later i could have got that yeah a little more time there mistakes that i made were i wanted to frame everything we were talking about getting something interesting in every third of your frame and it's something i always really did before i think but there's probably times where i just forgot it or just didn't do it so a good reminder yeah majid batted that again he says that he was once given advice to make sure there's something interesting in every third. So we had this tiny little choya plant that could be my foreground. Then there was a big one, and then there's saguaro, and then there was the big background that was the mm. top third with the sunset. The sky was so blue, I knew I didn't want to have too much sky. But right. when I started doing my framing, I ended up kind of committing the too much at the top to a sky. And I needed some really interesting sky or a blue hour blue. And when it came down to it with the moon rising, it killed my chance of getting a really deep blue hour blue oh. over that. Mm-hmm. So I missed, I messed up trying to give too much sky to my shot because the sky never became interesting. The few clouds that were there never became pink. And the stuff that was above there was never all that blue. I couldn't get the sky dark enough to be blue hour blue because of the moon rising pretty much right away with sunset because it's almost full moon. Yeah, so there again, you're at, you're at nature's mercy there, you yep. know, as to what you can do. You make the best, you make the most of it. Uh, for me, I wish I would have been there like almost two hours earlier. I felt like there was no time to scout in a good location. I was just wishing so much to be up in the rocks. When it, instead I was just halfway up the trail. Right. I was, I was it was like, such a weak amount of time. And I was just like, oh, yeah. it's, it feels so far, my wide-angle lens, to get this awesome rock. And you're not going to get any detail. There's no intimacy with that with that object. And it's just like, 
You so, couldn't make it your subject. You couldn't make no. it a featured subject it from just, that distance. It just, it just looked like, mm-hmm. nah. Every time I took a shot, I'm like, oh, it's such cool. Like, and then I take a shot, I'm just like, nah. You know, so I'm like, okay, so what can I focus on here in my immediate thing? And I found some little choya cactuses and other things I can get really down low. And I, so I just started doing that more because the sun had already set and I was getting some really deep reds. So I was like, okay, we can play with that. So there's some cool stuff that I pulled out of there. But the best thing that happened, or you know about the best thing? Is there anything great, great, great? The best thing that happened in my Must situation great, great, great. <laughs> was the rattlesnake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to see that, that in the one. video. That is great, so, great, great. You totally yeah. should add that in. So, that's, so, so we're going to do that next. What's great, what, what's great about this? No, let's just do that just, right now, and we'll go okay. on to the next one so we can get to the other topics. So I almost I didn't, I didn't almost step on a rattlesnake. I walked past the rattlesnake, and he let me know he was there by rattling his rattle. And so, just a friendly um, hello. Yeah. So as I explained in the video, um, rattlesnakes rattle the rattle, let you know they're there. They're not. And it's kind of a warning sign, too. We take it as a warning as humans. They're taking it as, hey, hey, you just startled me, you know. And so he was slowly um, moving his way across the path where everybody else was walking up and down. And so I was warning a couple of people in the area like, hey, there's rattlesnakes. Remember, we're going off. We're going off the path which are technically we weren't supposed to because it said you know signs. it said not to go off the path there's a little sign saying stay on the path we never paid attention there's a, to that. yeah exactly off the path. i know i know and everybody's going off the path everywhere it's just like these and it's getting cooler the sun is set this is when snakes come out so just so you know people we're lucky we survived yeah we're actually really lucky that nobody got bit i'm really survived i mean because there's like 100 people plus out we there just wandering around wandering through places right. so we're getting stuck in the feet and the pants with the cacti and stuff and uh and then this threat of rattlesnakes so i watched this guy slither across the path about halfway across the path i'm like video mode I'm going to put my camera in video mode. What am I doing? I got to record this, you know? So I put it in record. I start recording. I get down real low and watch the snake slither across the path. As he goes into like a little ditch, I stand up to, to adjust my feet and it scares him. He instantly turns and faces me eye to eye <laughs> and curls up in this half ball and like rattling, you know? And, and I was just like, I'm just like, oh, this is perfect, you know? So that was really cool to be able to interact with the snake he finally relaxed again and, and went off into the bush or whatever, but uh, but it was pretty cool. And I, I got to add another story to this. Forget about the time. I got to add another story because this time is when you have these choya plants that will just grab onto you anywhere, your feet, oh, your yeah. shoes, your pants. I put my backpack down in a position that I thought was safe. I never paid attention to it to the very end, packing up my gear. And then I picked up the bag and threw it on my shoulders to go and put it on my back. As soon as it hit my back, I was stabbed. And I was like, oh, there's a cacti and there's a cactus in there. And so I pulled it off and I went to look at the bag and I was like, where's the cactus? It's not on the bag. I'm like, oh, crap, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's still there. It's in my back. So I kind of gingerly walk over to Rusty. I pull out my Leatherman. I'm like, say, uh, Rusty, can you give me, can you give me a big favor? I need to do some surgery. And he's like, what? I'm like, can you? And I point out my back. I'm like, can you pull out all the needles from my back? <laughs> and so Rusty goes to town. This is great. Have a Leatherman with you because you don't think you'll need pliers when you're out with photography. Like, I don't ply anything on my tripod. I don't ply anything on my camera. Yeah. But thank goodness I had pliers because Rusty went back there and carefully took out, I don't know, yeah. three or four were still stuck. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, most of them were just stuck in your shirt. So we didn't have to do any major surgery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they stick in your skin, man. What did oh. it look like when you came out and looked at on my back? What was it? Is it there's big or small? There's a small ball, maybe two inches. Okay. Two mm. inch uh, diameter ball of 
needles yeah. just stuck right in your lower back. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. But it wasn't as bad as it could have been. That's probably why, because it was just in the shirt and poking my skin every once in a while, yeah. but not actually in the skin. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because those and needles. Because in the skin, you know it for sure. <laughs> that's, Any yeah. other good comments on Facebook? Uh, no, no other comments so far. All right. It's, it's really, it's 10 in the morning, 11 in the yeah, morning. We're yeah. surprised anyone has ever actually <laughs> yeah, seen this. On a Monday, guys. Monday morning. <laughs> so recording Facebook Live, any of you on the podcast listening audio only, if you go to our Facebook listener group, you can actually see this video. It'll stay on there. It'll be recorded, and you can just watch it and see us perform this live. Perform on a ironing board. Mm. So let's move on to the next part. This is after the retreat. No, no, this is the no, last, the last thing of the retreat. Of the retreat. Yeah. This is the morning of the last day of the retreat, and we went out with our group of friends to South Mountain. And this is a, on the way there, Rusty had run out of gas. And so we're like, let's just quickly get some gas. He goes to the gas station that has the <laughs> slowest pump in the world. <sighs> Rusty started pumping the gas, and then he goes, oh, my gosh, and had an ex exclamation. And so I look at that point, and when you're thinking about how much time has passed, pretty much 30 seconds at least. And you expect a gas pump to be already at like ticked away a couple dollars, if not a gallon more. I look back and I watched it ticked up to a dollar. So in the time that Rusty started it and then had his reaction to it. And then I took the and time to turn. And this is 250 a dollar gallon. <laughs> <laughs> then I turn around and look up here. I see that it hasn't even ticked up to a dollar yet. We're in a yeah. hurry and right. it can't even go faster than that. <laughs> and then like Brendan just said, it's $2 and 50 cents and across the street is $2 and what? 17, two 11, two 11. 11. across oh, the street. Oh, oh man. So like, you know, you like, you picture something like <laughs> chintzy, like you picture the hamster wheel, right? This is a giant wheel with a sloth inside yeah. <laughs> is what it was like. And he's <laughs> charging you thing. more for it. <laughs> and they're charging yeah. you more like the sloth's times valuable. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we were we were in such a hurry i was just looking for the first oh gas gosh. i can find so, so we can get out on the of road. the way the other direction to get the slowest pump it was just like the worst timing the worst situation but then we finally made it up there yeah and we thought we'd get some saguaro saguaro mm -hmm. saguaro cacti in our shop for a sunrise and we wanted the moon setting mm -hmm. Blast you weather, blast you clouds. You had this is the time the clouds come in. Of course, yeah. now they come yeah. in to yeah. block the moon that's setting. Right. But there was that one moment when that moon just had that sliver of opening right at the horizon. Yeah. And we got three minutes of filling. So you see the bottom. The regret you didn't have the right lens quarter, on. Bottom quarter, middle, and then the end. Just and it was just. Like, it yeah. was huge. It would have been fantastic. It was having really seen it. orange, like deep, deep orange, almost red. So I we didn't get our cactus shot with the moon. But we were right. able to do some light painting of a building and do a sunrise shot. How did the sunrise shoot go for you guys? It went okay. Again, it, I think a common theme, it seems to be, is going out and scouting your location in the daylight. We yeah, got there honestly. and it was dark. We didn't so we hard to had know not where been to go. there. Yeah. There didn't was really a plant know. with yellow flowers behind me, and I was looking for flowers, looking for color, and I didn't yeah. even see it in the dark. Mm. Yeah, whenever the sun came up, we were starting to see, oh, things that we could have shot, things that we missed. But yeah. That's One. just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and everybody's just like, where are the saguaro? And I'm like, there's got to be some up there. It's pitch black. We get there. As soon as the sun rose, thousands of them. They're, they're everywhere. They're all within was, like 100 yards of us. It's not, not like they them. were close, but they, they, we could have gotten to them. Yeah. We could have passed by some. Oh, yeah, there's trails around there. there. And yeah, there's. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and Lottie actually ran into a rattle, or heard a rattlesnake and then yeah. ran back up to join, to join us. So. <laughs> She's like, I'm not messing with a rattlesnake. No. <laughs> so I think what went well for me is that I got some cool macro shots of a couple plants, but mm. what would have made them portfolio is if the flower itself was in perfect condition. It, oh, some of those yeah. flowers were just a little beat and haggard. Mm -hmm. Their petals were a little haggard in some spots. They weren't perfect symmetry. It wasn't some like really classic flower petal moments. It's almost like they would have been perfect like a week or two ago. Maybe, Maybe right yeah. after they bloomed, right after the bloom, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up giving up on my sunrise shot and just choosing an interesting plant that was a thin tree with some cool branches that uh, silhouetted against the mm -hmm. sunrise looked cool. And I did a time lapse. So once again, I rescued a composition with a time lapse. <laughs> How about your guys' shots of the sunrise? Ah, it was so challenging. I, I don't know. It was, it was hard to find a good place. I was exploring all kinds of different rock plant features and not trying to put my knee into the broken glass bottles all over the ground. Right. I love you guys in nature <laughs> and, that do uh, that. Gosh, that you. place was the worst, too. People mm. go up there all the time just to like make out and stuff because of city lights and there's a bunch of bottles everywhere broken all over the place. Yeah. So. Jeez. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure because I don't have a. La I didn't bring a laptop with me or anything. I don't look. I don't know what any of my pictures really turned out to be like until I bring them home. Because the screen, yeah, will show me something maybe cool. Yeah, so but, you'll see yeah. you later. Yeah. You Rusty, you feel like anything in your sunrise worked? I kind of had the same challenge. Uh, we had some decent color <clears throat> in the sky there yeah, when the sun, yeah. as the sun was coming up above that mountain. But I just had a challenge finding a good foreground subject. Um, the seemed like if I got down to where some of the cacti, some of the sororos where I was too, too far down, mm. but then up higher, just nothing was just lining up quite right for me. So I don't really feel like <clears throat> definitely no portfolio pieces yeah. and maybe just some okay shots. That is one disappointing <clears throat> thing about the retreat is that we thought we'd leave with portfolio pieces. And unless you were mm -hmm. a portrait photographer, I don't think we did. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of portraiture. Yeah, Which a lot of the good. studio guys had a blast. They mm -hmm. had some really great it shots. It was perfectly well made for them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's leave the retreat. Let's leave it and go into what we did as a finale to end this awesome trip, and it's hitting Zion National Park on the way home. We mm -hmm. were only there. We got there two nights ago, and then we stayed all day yesterday. So let's just combine all the discussion all into one. We have about 10 minutes more that we should go, and let's call it quits on the podcast for episode 24. So... Our first, our first part the of that night. journey was Kolob at night. Oh, we pulled up. Yeah. We had left mm. Phoenix kind of, uh, kind of later in the afternoon, and we got to Kolob. Um, uh, it was definitely dark by then. The moon was uh, it's almost at a peak position. Uh, you know, maybe a little past halfway. And uh, once our eyes adjusted, we looked down. We're like, "Wow, this is <laughs> awesome. We can really see a lot." When we first arrived, we were scouting out our location at daylight because it was the moon, a full moon. We actually did what we practiced and wanted to do was we scouted out a location for our camera to be in sunrise. Mm -hmm. And we could do it in the moon. So us at what, two in the morning? Something mm -hmm. like that. One or two in the morning. It was definitely way too late. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was probably close to two when we got there. We finally arrived around. and we parked our cars and we climbed up a, sh a very steep 45 degree wall of cliff. We're real, what, just like smooth stone it's a sandstone yeah. yeah so it's easy to climb on but uh climbed up there up the yeah. hill and just started scouting around it was a blast it was great on the on the way up from phoenix i was just wiped out exhausted by the time i got here i thought i'm just ready to go to sleep but once i got out into that location it's just like wow just reinvigorated oh yeah once you see how awesome it is and so many cool possibilities like oh wow your brain just turns on and you're just like i really forgot how yeah. tired i was i was just having a blast right yeah. right 
And so then we drove up to the over the main overlook. And we up thought there. we would just kind of go up there real quick to show Rusty. This is where we were last time. Yeah, this is where we did our time overlook. lapse and you know stuff like that. And then we looked over the and we could see the moon lighting up this huge rock face. We're just like, uh, let's get the cameras out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, let's get the cameras yeah. out. So yeah. By the way, Dean Vincent says, "Hey, hey, hey Dean. Dean, thanks for watching, man." And so then, did you you pulled out your camera, Rusty, and you were starting taking some shots, and you were shocked. By the shots. Yeah, we got we went up to the lookout just to see what was up there. And decided, hey, you know, look at all the light. We could see the moon shining on the the rock faces and out in front of us. And, and there's snow too there's on snow. there, which we didn't have before. So, so. we thought, well, <laughs> let's get the cameras out and just see what we can see. So we, we took some shots, and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> the moon's actually bringing the red color out of the rocks. It was almost like daylight, but at the same time, we were seeing stars in the sky up above just amazing it was a really surprise was awesome. to me i knew that it was going to be lit i just didn't realize it would be like sunset red yeah it, it was, was glowing awesome. red yeah i had my cal my kelvin setting set to the previous night which is like i usually do around 3800 for star shooting and i mm -hmm. when i cranked it back up to like 5000 or higher then that red rock i mean that that the moonlight's really blue right mm -hmm. but you set your kelvin level a little to like almost like sunlight just below sunlight and you can get that red rock was just man the color was just bursting out of there it was awesome it was so fun and such a good moment that i was taking multiple panoramas to pan panoram mix I'm tired. Panoramos? Panoramos? What's a panorama? A panorama. <laughs> I was taking multiple panoramas because it was just, okay, I got to save this moment, get all of this. This is all good. This is yeah. good. That's good. Trying some close shots, trying some 7,300 shots. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just that I was trying to make something okay, cool. It was that I was flabbergasted as how awesome it looked. Yeah. I mean, we decided to co coin the phrase moonscaping because it's landscaping at night, but it's focused on the moon making it a daylight yeah. landscape. Yeah. yeah, I just love that part of the the trip <clears throat> i mean the, the the light from the moon was lighting up everything and it was just so it was so subtle the moon the light was subtle and it was even it's not like harsh sunlight oh yeah, yeah. it's almost it's almost like low level light painting yeah it was it was close to ideal actually it was really great yeah not crazy dynamic range to deal with we didn't have to bracket Right. And we mm. got really glorious mm -hmm. sky and foreground. Right. And you don't have the sun beating down on you. It's nice <laughs> right. and cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you feel great until you stop for 10 minutes and then you go, oh, I'm tired. That's right. <laughs> so if you're into astrophotography, you know. Astrophotography. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> then um, I'm trying to get my, my brains trying to catch it in my mouth. Um <laughs> Don't be afraid to go out in the moonlight and shoot some of your favorite landscape places with just the moonlight because you might be seriously amazed at how clean and then you can get you can get your landscape with some wispy clouds and the stars in the background at the same time. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think I've had a bad relationship with the moon recently, <laughs> thinking that the moon was an enemy to my yeah, photography. Your, yeah. And so I only went out when he was gone. It's like I'm gonna avoid him. <laughs> I hate that stupid moon. But now I could go out every night and find something awesome to do. You can't yeah. do star trails, it's way too bright, at least at full moon. Right. If the moon comes up from half at the time for your star trail, it's actually fantastic. It gives your sky mm -hmm. a little blueness. But when the moon is up all night long, you can do really cool landscape photography in the moonlight and to have the stars behind it yeah. that was cool yeah that, i can't <clears throat> wait to see how it looks to see how sharp here's the big kicker is if it's gonna work is if the image can be sharp when you're focused with the moon because i know my camera it was, was difficult yeah it was mm -hmm. difficult to get that 
in focus. And so if it's yeah. a little blurry or if it's a little soft, it might be bad. But if it is sharp and cool looking as it was in the LCD screen, we got a glorious shot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think yeah. I think we can all agree we can make friends with the moon again. There was <laughs> yeah. one true <laughs> highlight from that night, an amazing highlight, and I never even even considered doing it, and it was Rusty's gem of a picture. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, his black and white tell us about that. Well, I just I don't know why what made me think of it, but genius, I, brilliant, I, not that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's lack of sleep. <laughs> New inspiration from lack of sleep. I just decided to change my picture style and camera to black and white and see what would that look like. Even though I was seeing amazing color, I thought, well, sometimes black and white can really add a lot to an image as well. So I I switched my camp picture style to black and white, cranked up the contrast uh, on that setting, and took some shots of that that same scene that we were looking at and it just came out awesome at least on the so like LCD. A 20 second exposure how long was it uh it was let's see i didn't change my exposure time so i think it was 20 seconds mm -hmm. uh only thing i changed was a picture style mm. um so i hope hope at least on the lcd it looks good it hope, i'm hoping i'm hoping when i get yeah. it on the computer it, brendan it was talking well. about it all day every time <laughs> we had a moment alone he's like man that rusty picture black and white i gotta do more black and white so yeah i would encourage you to just try it it's almost like it's it's you've heard the saying when's the best time to shoot in portrait mode well it's right after you shoot in landscape <laughs> right. try it both ways and you know you never know which <laughs> one's going to be best same way with shooting in black and white sometimes i'll shoot in black and white i may not have any intentions of processing in black and white but sometimes i'll do that just to see just to take the distraction of the color out of the image and look more at the tones and the composition and not be distracted so much by the color that's a really good tip. That'd be yeah. a tip of the day for a podcast. That's right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> take your shot that you think you're loving and then change it to black and white and to take one more shot and see, oh, see what pops out, what right. doesn't pop. Is your composition solid as black and white? I think that's a really true gauge to see Yeah. the solid composition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's go into the next morning, or I mean two hours later, because, of course, this was the night when the time changed, and we lost an oh hour. My gosh, yeah. We're sitting Perfect there at 1 o'clock. We're enjoying an hour of doing this. It's like, it's 2 o'clock now. No, it's 3 o'clock. And then we do another half an hour, and it's like we went from 1 o'clock to 3.30 in just an hour and a half. I mean, what a nightmare. Well, I guess that was two and a half hours. It was still a nightmare. Mm. Oh, so we that morning woke up uh, groggily and, and then went, went back. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> we had already scouted out our location. We knew where we wanted to be mm -hmm. because we lost about 10 minutes to the grogginess and then getting going. And we were out there just down the street, went up to our spot, got our cameras out. And our main goal were these cool rock face, cool color with the sunrise and light shafts. We want shafts of light coming off of the Kolob Canyon walls. Mm -hmm. We were at Mexican dinner at like midnight the night before trying to check out our photo pills app to see where would the light and the sun hit these rock formations and potentially split the light. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. the shafts of light. And you know, and our best scouting didn't do it correctly because we miss we just basically we underestimated the amount of hills in the back of the Kolob Canyon shape, yeah, yeah. and that blocked the sun evenly. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the sun was up and over that that it did anything. And so we needed a much more narrow or a trench, something else to really give us that shaft of light. So we were like, we thought, okay, let's get out of this area, let's split, <clears throat> let's find another composition. And I wanted to mention real quick that well, you were about to say something. I'll yeah, like because we had got the last time we were there in the morning at Kolob Canyon, the very last time we were there last year, we got one picture. On my phone because we saw a shaft of light and we're thinking kind of in the back of our minds 
that was a spot that did happen. Is it going to happen again? Let's yeah. go back to that area. We've been wanting to ever since. Right. And so we were thinking, okay, where's the shaft of light? Where's the shaft of light going to be? We drove down to a little loop where you could see, okay, the sun's coming up around here. How far, how high is it going to be? What's going to be lit up? And here's the mistake we made initially. We thought, okay, when the sun comes down, the light's, light's going to be all right there. And so we just kind of like bugs to a bug zapper. Went to where the light was. We went be, right? to the light. <laughs> and we even hiked up a weird terrain and kind of got ourselves all tired and sweaty just real fast, <laughs> blitzing up this hill. And then we're standing there going, oh. And the sun's shining on We're us. standing in the shaft. If this is <laughs> even a shaft of light, we're standing in it. And you can't photograph a shaft in the shaft. It doesn't right. work for so, some yeah. reason. Yeah. So and so we made that mistake. And then we started splitting off to go to different locations and Rusty and I thought, let's just go down to that street. I bet we have enough time to go down to that street again where we started and look back this way and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. We get down there. We're hiking. We get to the spot. We look back. We're like, actually, it's not that much. And then we turn to our right, and we see where the shaft of light was beginning yeah. coming yeah. into the valley. Uh, and it was yeah. shining like God's angels on yeah. these trees saying, <laughs> oh, good morning. It was yeah. beautiful light yeah. zapping these trees. All the leaves were just twinkling, and it was distant, way distant. And so Rusty ran as hard as he can to get over 7,200 <laughs> to the car. And then he drove mm. the car back to make up on time <laughs> and pulled it up next to me. And we had our 7,300 out, 7,200 out. We were taking some long exposures of these areas. And how did your shots turn out, Rusty? Well, once again, I haven't had them on the computer oh, right. yet, yeah, but yeah. On, the, on the LCD, they look great. I just, oh, that, it just happened so fast. We thought there was going to be nothing there. And then all of a sudden we turn and, turn and look and... There it is. There's there it is. Like we were looking for all along. <laughs> what did you find about getting your frame? I was trying to figure out what to frame in my shot because I wanted the shaft. I wanted enough of the shaft to look like a shaft of light. But then mm. my subject, because I was zoom, I could zoom in so close with the 300 millimeter, it was hard to choose. Yeah. Mm. When I whenever I was zoomed in to 200 millimeters or somewhere between 100 and 200, I kind of varied yeah. a little bit. I wasn't really. I was focusing primarily on what was happening out there. With the trees, the glowing trees, mm -hmm. uh, I get I was getting a little bit of the a red rock kind of in the part of my composition. I didn't have any foreground uh, in my image whenever I was zoomed in, but I did whenever I pulled back with the wider angle lens. I tried to get a little bit lower and use some of the shrubbery that was right in front of us to cover up some of the nasty, ugly foreground that was uh, happening a little bit further out. Mm. And then just had that shrub right in the foreground and then had the light ray and the, the glowing trees in the background. So hopefully so. something really nice turned out of that. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I had this area where the trees were up on this rock face at the diagonal and they were kind of filling up this space behind the diagonal. It was this little pizza pie slice mm. of mm. of uh, tree growth. But then underneath the cliff face, the red cliff face right there where there was another tree. And I kept enjoying so much having that little tree kind of as a an icon of what's up here mm. what you're seeing up here of green and glowing yellow is this this tree that's what this mm. tree is and it was kind of at the bottom there on the bottom left framed in front of the red rock and then the glowing trees in the shaft of light all kind of i'm hoping leading up to the shaft of light or was the shaft of light a leading line down to the trees right. i wasn't even certain like where's my leading line pointing? Am I Fuzzy pointing? concepts. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ansel. I'm sorry. But who knows? When I look at the picture later, 
and I do my post-processing and dodging and burning, I can carry the image and focus the subject and be like, you know what, this is absolutely the subject of trees. And I might have some other distracting objects over here in the left that I'll get rid of and diminish, and all the eyes will focus straight to those trees, and I think I'll be fine. And the chef of light coming in will just be a glorious spotlight. Right. And then Brendan had another shot that was pretty awesome that led to probably the worst hike that Rusty and I have had in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I saw these little deer tracks going up this dirt pile where all these shrubby, crazy, sticky trees were, bush trees. And so I went crawling up that thing and uh, felt like an American warrior, you know, thing <laughs> to get up to the top of this little hill. And uh, then I set up my shot. I was like, oh, this is a great vantage point. And this is not just on the side of the road that anybody can set up, set up and get oh, the come shot. On. Come off it. Because I I saw dozens of people driving up, (laughs) and then driving off again. I'm just like, I don't want to be that guy. That only hurts because that's where Rusty and I were sitting at the time. (laughs) I know. That really hurts. You guys first found that out, and then we saw other people doing it. When I saw other people doing that same thing, I'm just like, yeah, I want to go a little bit higher, different, a different, a different perspective. You know, smart, yeah. So I got the different different perspective, and I really liked what I was doing. So I hung out there a water while, and eventually these guys just like, hey, how's it up there? I'm just like. It's really crappy. You don't want to come up here. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can't lie. It's great. You I know? think I even told Rusty. I'm like, yeah, yeah that means it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not good, guys. Don't worry. Just I'll be up here for five more minutes. So, um, yeah. And then you guys came up and you saw, oh, this is great. And then you decided to go further. I had a 7300 on me only, not the wide angle lens. So I couldn't oh, just do okay. a panorama right there like you. Plus, I just want to use your panorama. Your panorama would be awesome. No reason to repeat <sighs> it. Took it. a thousand pictures yeah, that panel. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. <laughs> and then, Rusty, what do you? What made you motivated to go up to the other side just for the adventure uh, of it? Part, partly for the adventure, probably mo- more for the adventure. But I also wanted to get a little bit closer to those trees that were glowing because there were times that I kind of wished I had a, even a longer lens mm-hmm. so that I can really get in tight on maybe a single tree. Oh yeah, and really isolate it from the from everything else. So I wanted to get a little bit closer to get that. So we had to hike through that nasty <sighs> shrubbery that was just tearing at us <sighs> grabbing everything it was that insane we carrying i mean how do i paint this picture for you it's we not as going... bad as scrub oak but it's almost as bad right it's just, a, just one notch lower it's a bunch yeah. of craggly bushes that almost like velcro where they connect to each other and yeah. you have to push through them and they're stiff enough that they want to keep slicing at you as you go through them it's not like i'll just push these drapes out of the way and walk through no you're pushing yeah. away giant heavy bowling pins that are wanting to conk you and scratching stretching <laughs> knives and you're going through them hoping okay good thing i have pants on because they're tearing at me right now mm-hmm. and so we were just holding our lens caps on, making sure nothing was getting scratched, holding our camera safe and our tripod and just bushwhacking it through here. And we bushwhacked it down the hill, across the gully. It got open, yay, open. Oh, no, we gotta go back in it. And we bushwhacked <laughs> up the hill. And we're talking the tree leaves and everything underneath us was slipping out from underneath our feet. And so we were having a bad time balancing and getting mm-hmm. through. And Rusty's trying not to whip me in the face with the things that he just went past and those branches that he had bent 100, you know, almost 180 degrees that way. He was gonna whip it back into my face. It was intense. So when I saw you guys come up the other side of that gully on the other hill, I'm just like, I'm just like, what? I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> I'm not following you guys. I'm going to stay here for a while. Not going to go there. And then it turned out to be amazing because we had awesome shots from there. And you should have been there with us. Oh, eh, except the greatest images ever. So they told me, the, they <laughs> yeah. told me the truth after for reals. Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> Unfortunately... We ended up getting other objects between us and those trees. Yeah. So we just kept to keep we kept hiking to find an opening, and we never found one. We hiked and hiked, but we just never could get 
a good clear vantage point vantage point yeah. of those trees and the problem with the sun ray that was happening on these trees is we were at an angle to see it but the more we got and a little bit to the the I guess, south of them at more of a 90 degree angle uh-huh. of them you don't see the shaft of light anymore. You kind of have to be like a 45 mm-hmm. degree angle, huh? It for must the shaft be. to work best, maybe. It seemed mm-hmm. that way because once we got there, mm-hmm. yeah, they were just trees in daylight. They weren't trees in the shaft of angelic oh, light. Yeah. That's so interesting. It was disappointing that it had all that effort to get there and it just turned into, hey, look at that small, tiny shrub. Let's take a picture. Let's count as <laughs> karma for next time, maybe. It was pretty cool karma and my pants were laughing about it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't given this tweet yet because I have no <laughs> signal ever. These guys have signal and I have nothing. And I have this area that we, Brent, uh, Rusty and I found where there's this bowl, a sandstone bowl that the waterfalls of ages and every oh. time it rains heavy has just dug out mm-hmm. and shaped it and shaped it. It's a really cool area. In the YouTube video when we show on Photog Adventures, you're going to be able to see this bowl and it echoes. You go in there, you echo, echo, hello. Nice. And then these other voices said hello too. It was a weird echo. It changed voice. Or it was the guys in the pathway responding to us because they thought we were nerds. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I eventually went on that path about halfway through before I decided to, to turn around and meet you guys at the car. But I got closer to those trees, closer to one of these uh, pillar rocks and a tree in front. I don't know if it picture's going to turn out worth anything, but I thought it was still kind of cool. And for next time, we can definitely hike in there. I only went out eight minutes. From the road it to took where us I stopped. Thirty-eight minutes to get where you went out. Eight minutes. Okay. Yeah. I went so past where you. I actually went past to where path. you guys were. Rusty and I though kept saying, you know, not many people have this shot. Not many True. people have been up here. Exactly. If and only we could have kind of... caught a shot. That yeah. Right. Not many people would have went through the struggles that we went through. <laughs> and na- maybe now we know why. <laughs> maybe they're a lot smarter than we are. Yeah, yeah. they had a lot of foresight. <laughs> so. We put ourselves in a predicament to try and get out of here because everything ended up being way too steep to go through the scrubby, like mm. scratch your face off the oaks. And it was cliff faces and other faces. We kept moving our way down and got to the bowl. And then that bowl was our best place to go down, and we just had to slide. It was too dangerous to walk on because it was slippery with mm. a little bit of black mold or black just runoff water still there, moisture. <clears throat> and so I sat moisture. down and I was sliding pretty good and I scraped the nice triangle mouth face into the back of my pants. <laughs> and so my butt pockets make eyeballs and the square mouth shape is the mouth and my pants are laughing at me saying, ha ha, having a great time. <laughs> nice. So I got that picture, I gotta tweet that out there. <laughs> so I, one casualty of the trip were these pants, my photog adventure pants, but it's time to get others. Time to retire those. <laughs> yeah. So I think we go ahead and stop it right there. We have a co- we had an overlook canyon overlook sunset that we took pictures of. We're going right now to Canary Creek Falls. We can save that for another podcast. Yeah, because it'll be fantastic. Is there yeah. anything else that. that you guys want to add before we call it? Oh, it's just been a whirlwind trip. It uh, really has a, been a whirlwind trip of very little sleep, awesome shooting, meeting lots of new people. Uh, what? How much better could it get? Yeah. <laughs> recommend yeah. going to it if you guys get a chance to go to the Improved Photography Retreat or recommend going to any sort of gathering of photographers you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go and meet some people. It's really fun. fun to do. Yeah. 
So let's go ahead and end it saying thanks guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry for the bad quality of the audio, but we're just glad that we were able to actually record something and do Get this for you. Yeah. We are so sorry we couldn't do this every night. We were just not ever allowed back to our hotel room, let alone have time to do anything for ourselves. So yeah, it, it just yeah. didn't happen. But thanks, you guys. We're going to get out our Yosemite Photog adventure here by Tuesday, Wednesday night. And then we'll just got other content that we've been creating on this trip and other things that we want to post that are earlier than future Photog adventures. So look for bonus content coming out throughout the week on our YouTube channel. And hope you guys get a chance to get out there for yourselves. And if you do, post it on our Photog Adventures listeners group and we'll feature it next time. Have a good day, guys. See you guys. Thanks.